Hey, it's Captain Roger. This is the Salvation Army's Grass Valley Corps Worship and Study Time, and um, I am so glad that you could join us today. Grace and peace to you. Grab your Bibles, and let's talk about Jesus. Now, Jesus, he'd been teaching this crowd from a flat place on a hillside above the lake known as the Sea of Galilee. What was he teaching? Well, he was teaching that God's kingdom, which they'd been waiting for the Messiah to come and reestablish for them, was already present. And Jesus was saying it was their responsibility, if they accepted God as king, to begin to live as if they were part of that kingdom. To do otherwise, he told them, was to continue to live in rebellion, refusing to accept God as king and lord over them. And Jesus started by telling them about the kind of people who were going to accept his invitation. And as we looked at that, we discovered that we are that kind of people. He continued by teaching them how we could live together and how we can live with God present in our lives. And as we looked at that, we found that these teachings apply to us just as well now as they did to those who listened to him then. Well, Jesus taught them a form of prayer that they could use to examine whether they were staying within the will of their king or not. And again, we found that it works for us today just as well as it did for people 2,000 years ago. He talked about the importance of our motives matching our actions, how we uh, often do things to try to get personal gain, either physical or social or spiritual gain, and how often that is a stumbling block for us every bit as much as it was for those who came before us. Then, last week, having shown us how to reflect on where we stand, Jesus took steps to counter our tendency to measure others instead of looking at ourselves. He reminded us that we're barely able to understand or judge ourselves, so why do we think we could ever judge someone else? God meets each of us where we are at, and our job is to follow our king, not to tell others that they aren't follow him, following him the way that we think they should, right? Now, again, this doesn't mean we can't help and guide people, but it does mean that our job as agents of the Creator's kingdom is to represent Him, not to force people to follow Him the way we think we want them to. Now, there's an idea that is run all throughout this Sermon on the Mount, and it is one that is central to everything Jesus taught and lived out. And that is the idea of pledging our allegiance to the King of Heaven and to him alone. We are not intended to be servants of any other earthly or supernatural power. We're either living as children of the Most High God, or we're living in rebellion against him. And in a handful of short, pithy instructions and ideas, Jesus is going to try to bring that home for us. And if you haven't already turned to Matthew chapter 7, that's where we're going to take up where, where Jesus is speaking. We're going to be in verse 7 as our first verse today. And uh, just to uh, let you know, I am using the New Living Translation today because I like the way its use of English resonates with your spirit in these passages. There might be some words that I want to nitpick, but really the NLT is a great translation for simple understandable language and that's what we want so hopefully you've reached matthew chapter 7 verse 7 this is jesus speaking in fact everything we read today is jesus speaking keep on asking 
and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, and you will find. Keep on knocking, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Uh, do you remember uh, a few verses back, a couple couple weeks ago, we looked at a few verses back, or you could just look up into chapter 6, a couple of verses, uh, to verse 33, see how Jesus said, Seek the kingdom above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Well, right now he's pretty much saying the same thing, just in a, a slightly different way. Now, that's a good teaching tool to repeat yourself in uh, new ways to catch people's brains. And Jesus is a very good teacher. And if you were part of a kingdom, subject to the rulers of that place, it was expected that you would serve them. But also it was expected that they would care for you. The king was viewed as being like the father of his subjects. And here, where we're being told to ask, seek, and knock, the impression you should be getting is that of a child approaching a parent to ask for what they want or need. Uh, Daddy, let me in, let me in, it's cold out here. And then he opens the door for you. Daddy, where are you? I need you. And he comes and says, here, here I am. Daddy, can I have a large chocolate shake with every single meal I ever eat? And he replies, no, child, but I will make sure that you have plenty of good things to eat and drink when you need them. Yeah, yeah. sorry to break that last one to you, but the Lord does not exist to fulfill your whims like a replicator on Star Trek. Like any good parent, he helps us with what we need. But sometimes what we want is way outside of what we need, isn't it? But what we need is there. In fact, Jesus explains it this way. This is uh, back in chapter 7, the next verse, verse 9. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give good gifts to those who ask him? I sometimes hear people say things like, well, I never pray for anything for myself. And I, I don't get that. God is clear. He wants us to ask for what we need. I bet he even likes to hear us ask for the things that we want. He, he always gives us an abundance he blesses us with his care. That, that means you might be able to live on bread and water, but when you follow the Lord and ask him for what you need, you will find you always have more than that bare minimum that's required. When you're hungry, he's not giving you a rock to chew on. He's not giving you a snake to chew on you. He's going to give you good things, even when they may not be exactly the things you asked for. By the way, this is another one of those passages which describes Jesus as being a funny guy. The crowd would be rolling while they heard about a father giving his kid a rock to bite on, or as they thought about getting a can of eel only to have the snakes leap out and startle everyone, like one of those circus peanut things that you get for New Year's. You, you know the ones I'm... Yeah, the prank... Never mind. And then after that, Jesus pulls out... And if malicious, demented demons like yourselves know better than to do mean things to your kids, what makes you think God is going to do that to you? And then he hits them, after the joke, with the whole point of this. 
This is what it means to live in allegiance to our king. Verse 12, do to others whatever you would like them to do to you. This is the essence of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And this is, this is a, a bit different than things that the people might have heard before. This is not a karma wheel idea. And it, it takes away any setting of a bar that people would need to clear for you to care about them. And the whole concept of judging someone while you follow this rule is actually pretty unthinkable. What Jesus just said is that it, it's our job to go first. No matter what the other person might have stuck at us with, uh, no matter what they were kind or unkind about, no matter who they were, no matter where they came from, or what they believed, or how they acted, this thing that Jesus just said can only happen if we allow it to dominate and control our thoughts and actions. Do to others what we wish they would do to us. What does that idea do to the, the thought of a violent response to violence? It shatters it. You hit my friend, so I'm going to punch you in the head. But if that's what we do, then obviously what we want is for that person to punch us in the head, right? Jesus doesn't give us the choice to only help those who will respond in kind. He says we need to go first and act towards them the way that we want them to act towards us. If they don't, that's on them. That's not on us. And if they don't, it's not our place to stop doing what we wish they would do to us. This is a 24-7 command. This is how we need to live if we are going to live as if God is our king. This is the essence. It is the point of everything that came before. The point of all of the covenant rules, of all the prophets' teachings, all of everything. Do to others what you want them to do to you. Forget everything else and simply live this out the way Jesus does. It doesn't matter how or if they reciprocate. We are not living to control how others act. We aren't living to get rewards or praise or repayment from others. We are living to serve God as agent, representing his kingdom, which means we do to others what we want them to do to us. Is that hard to do? Yeah, it can be. And Jesus acknowledges that next. Verse 13, you can enter God's kingdom only through the narrow gate. The highway to hell is broad and its gate is wide for the many who choose that way. But the gateway to life is very narrow and the road is difficult and only a few ever find it. Or, as my mother and millions of other mothers have said over the years, hey, if Timmy jumps off a bridge, are you going to do the same? No. Do the right thing instead. There's a hard truth here, too. You're not going to win many friends by following Jesus' instructions. People who've made up their mind that they don't want to do this will go to great lengths to justify their choice to themselves, and they don't want to think that they're wrong. No one likes to be wrong. Of course, I don't want someone harping on how I was wrong or making fun of me for having been wrong, so following the principle of doing to others what I want them to do to me, 
I, I, I'm not going to do that to them. I'm not going to allow myself to make fun of people or pick on people because they are wrong. You're either going to do this because you're part of God's kingdom or you're not going to do this. And what does that mean? The trick is, when people get embarrassed or upset, they often lash out. Or they try to convince you or others that they were in the right. Or they even say that Jesus might have said what he said, but he certainly didn't mean that. Which brings us to the next thing the Master taught his followers at verse 15. Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. You can identify them by their fruit, that is, by the way they act. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes, or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit, and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree can't produce bad fruit, and a bad tree can't produce good fruit. So, every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes, just as you can identify a tree by its fruit, so you can identify people by their actions. Well, what's the fruit in this case? Well, the fruit here is how each person lives out their role as an agent of God's kingdom. Are they demonstrating what it means to only do what they wish others would do to them? Or are they just paying lip service to the Lord and then continuing to live out their own rebellion against his ways? Verse 21, Jesus says, Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name and cast out demons in your name and performed many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. What did we say a few weeks ago? Motives matter. Calling Jesus Lord is nice, but it is meaningless if you don't live as if he is Lord. Doing things in his name, even amazing, miraculous things, that's great too. But the things you do don't earn you a place in the kingdom. Jesus has already offered you a place in God's kingdom. If you accepted that place, you're already living in it. Which means you are living according to the will of God. Doing to others what you wish they were doing to you. Not responding to them with violence. Not treating them as less valuable or less important or less meaningful than you because they don't conform to your expectations. Not turning them away because of their skin color or ethnicity or language or needs or national origin or gender or orientation or height or weight or tendency to listen to music that you dislike. But treating them exactly the way that you want to be treated. As a beloved child of God. As if they were part of the kingdom. Because Jesus has offered them a place there just like he did for you. And your job is to represent the kingdom and your king so that others will be able to know him through you. Your job is not to make people acceptable to God. They're already acceptable to God. Just like you. Just like me. And your job is not to change them for God. God will change people as he sees fit, when he sees fit, how he sees fit. 
The same Holy Spirit that's working in you, encouraging you, advising you, leading you closer to God through the experiences of your life and the choices that you make, that, that same Holy Spirit will be there helping them, working in them, leading them through the same metamorphosis that you are going through, even if their process is entirely different. Your job, your entire job, is to represent the kingdom by living out your allegiance to the king. And the only way to do that is by modeling your life on the teachings of Jesus. To do anything else is foolish. How do I know that? Because the Bible told me so. Or more specifically, Jesus did right at the end of this passage. Look at verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish, like a person who builds a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house, it'll collapse with a mighty crash. And this is the Sermon on the Mount in a nutshell. Jesus said, This is how to live as if God is your king. We need to decide if we believe him. If we do, we need to model our lives on his teaching, even when it's uncomfortable to do so. We can't say that he's Lord and then go our own way. I guess the question that I have for you is this. Do you believe what Jesus taught. I'm not asking if you like it or if you find it valuable or interesting. Everyone who's heard of him back in the day, right up to today, everyone who heard of him, everyone who heard him teach, everyone who's heard or read or looked into his instructions, they've all found that his teaching is something special. Look, look how people responded to him. Verse 28, when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching. For he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teachers of religious law. As I said earlier, Jesus was a great teacher. But do you believe what he was teaching? If so, I urge you, live it out. Pledge your allegiance to the king. Model your life on the teachings of Jesus. And do it now. There is no better time. There, there is no better time. There's no, no time to wait or to waste. There are people who are looking right now for you to be their witness about what it means to live in the kingdom of God. But you can't do that if you don't move in there yourself. So I urge you, do it now. Do it today. Jesus has made a place for you and he invited you in. All you need to do is accept and trust. Not sure? Try this. Try asking God. Seek to find the truth. Knock on his door. And don't stop knocking until he answers. The next step, honestly, is yours. Let me invite you to pray with me this morning. Father God, thank you so much for making a place for us in your kingdom. <clears throat> Thank you, Lord, that 
you have given us very clear and concise instructions in this sermon that Jesus preached, in this short message, in the three chapters of the book of Matthew. Thank you that if we really earnestly and honestly look at what Jesus has taught, we know our purpose for life. We know what we need to do to act as your agents. We know how to live in the kingdom that you have established. Lord, I pray that each and every one who hears this message from your son makes the decision to live in your kingdom. I pray that each of us chooses the narrow path, that each of us is willing to step out of the world's rush to destruction and find a way to do to others what we wish they would do for us. Because, Lord, if we all did that, this world would be a much different, much better place. I pray that each person who hears my voice in person or digitally, however or whenever, I pray that they will consider accepting the place that you have made for them, Lord. I pray that they will consider accepting the role that you have created for them as your agent. And I pray that they will go as your agent out into the world and lead others back to the kingdom so that they can accept their place as well. We pray this all in the name of your son, Jesus, the greatest guide we ever have had. Amen. And amen. Hey, wherever you go this week, wherever you are, remember, you have nothing to fear because God is with you. So go with God. Grace and peace to you all this week. Many blessings.